0: Hey folks, welcome to the Inside Line F1 podcast and this is a special winter episode where we have it on video as well on Pits Podium, luckily. And over here, it's the off-season, usually we tend to get a lot bored, but we've got a really special guest here with us who's been the voice of Formula 1 in Norway all the way back since 1997. So a lot of fun stories are coming up right here. But to introduce myself, my name is Somal Arora. I'm the host of The Driving Force on Disney Plus Hotstar. And as always, I've got Kunal Shah here with me, the former marketing head of the Force India F1 team. And Kunal, this is fun, right? That in the off-season, we can experiment and we can get folks like our guest here today to really just Add some spice to the winter and have so many fun stories to discuss. Absolutely,
1: Samuel. Thank you very much for that. And, you know, I'm going to take a cue from what you just said. You said Uh winter of the Formula One break. And literally joining us uh, from the the northernmost part that I have ever lived in the world, uh, you know, from the city of Oslo, uh, is uh, somebody who I know as one of the most experienced commentators in the world of Formula One and uh, you know when I was writing down uh, his and I'm still going to say his because I haven't introduced him, Mm -hmm. when I was writing down his introduction, I realized that above all else he's a great friend, he's a great motorsport sounding board, I've discussed some fantastic content lines, driver rivalries, politics and several other you know things that people have seen you know millions have seen on television as well. But yes, so I, I, it's my pleasure to introduce Atle Gull who's a friend, who's a colleague, who is, is a fantastic motorsporting brain, uh, who I've had the pleasure to work with for almost, I think, four seasons now for the NENT Network in Norway. Atle, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to our show.
2: Thank you. And, and thank you for the nice words. And, and thank you for having me.
1: Absolutely, and you know when when uh, when I was thinking up this episode, mm-hmm. I said, okay, it's it's like thinking of making the present of you know motorsport broadcast uh, uh, oh. the present of the motorsport broadcast world meet with the future of the motorsport broadcast world. So for me, it's a pleasure to have you as well as Somil, you know, to to commentating legends one in you know the paddock and the real world of Formula One, and of course Somil. Doing fantastic work in the I racing uh, network as well. So for me, it's a joy to just sit with both of you and talk
0: uh, talk shop, if that's the word. <laughs> no, exactly. Should be a lot of fun. But Atle, first things first, we have to tell our listeners and our viewers that you've been commentating on Formula One all the way back since. Even this before the start of the millennium, essentially, that, I mean, the, I'm making it sound <laughs> like you're very old, but it just comes across as very fresh, especially, folks, if you've checked out that audio clip of the Abu Dhabi GP. And uh, it's interesting, Actually, I was just searching along on YouTube uh, last week and I was thinking, yeah, it'll be fun to scroll through some Formula One videos. And there's an amazing clip of you commentating on that final lap of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. And I was like, wow, this is just some superb stuff. Although I can't understand exactly everything that's being said, just the excitement <laughs> comes across and you've been doing this for so many years now. So how did it actually even begin? Because you used to be a racing driver previously.
2: Yeah, that's correct. Uh, this is a, this is a, a long story, <laughs> but uh, I can try to make it short. Um, as you also know, my na- uh, English is not my native language, but I will I will try my best. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I started with, with karting as uh, so many others mm. uh, when I was 12 years old at the time. And uh, yeah, probably I was re- dreaming about being a Formula One driver as as uh, most karting drivers do. Uh, but also like most karting drivers, I, I ran out of money. Um, so I did some karting, I did some racing. Uh, I still do some racing because I started again, but but at the time when I was 16, uh, my family, we 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 simply ran out of money for for racing. Um, so I still wanted to be involved in motorsports somehow, um, and I um, found an interest of, of journalism. Uh, so I started writing for a, a motorsport magazine and wrote about Formula One because I, I was like a, a Formula One uh, what you call it Formula One nerd. I I, I watched everything. I I was up at uh, two o'clock in the morning to watch the free practice from uh, Suzuka, wow. for example. Um, so I started to write some articles, articles about Formula One. Uh, and then one day I heard that uh, a TV channel called Canal Plus was going to to broadcast Formula One in, in Norway. Um, and then I, I was thinking may, maybe I should try to become one of the commentators. Um, but at the time, I was 17 years old, and I even didn't have my driver's license. So um, maybe, the, maybe the chances wasn't that good, but um, uh, I could try anyway. Uh, so so I, I made this, um, uh, call it a secret plan. Um, I, I, I called the, the, the boss of this team in um because I was going to interview him for the magazine that I wrote for about mm. Formula One. Uh, and one of the questions that I had was, uh, who is going to commentate the races? Uh, and he said that they had a couple of race car drivers who who were going to commentate, but um, they were also busy racing, so so they couldn't do all the races. Uh, so then I said, uh, this is not what I'm uh, why I'm calling, but maybe I can suggest myself. And uh, to be honest, today, 25 years later, that was a lie. That was exactly why I was calling. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, this this boss he was uh, he was a really cool guy. So so he he thought that um, yeah, why not? You're 17 years old. You're young, but um, maybe maybe we can maybe we can give you a chance. And uh, just a couple of weeks later, I remember he called me and he asked if I could do the the Monaco Grand Prix. Uh, the studio at that time was in Stockholm, in Sweden. Mm. So I flew to to Stockholm. Uh, I was uh, I, I I was so nervous. I didn't sleep one second that night. I can remember. Uh, and I did the Monaco Grand Prix 1997 as my first race ever. And uh, at the time I was 17 years old. Wow. Uh, and I think uh, I'm probably the youngest Formula One commentator ever, and I have been commentating Formula One since every year. So I'm I have now done 25 seasons as a Formula One commentator.
0: 25? Uh, that's that's absolutely crazy, and there's so many more memories that have come that way. But the funny part is, we always just tend to quite ignore the whole thing about how the broadcast comes about. But this is one thing I actually want to bring out because the two of you actually who come together and put forward the broadcast here in Norway, we've luckily got both of you here together. So Artley, I'll start with you on this one. Just what exactly goes in to preparing for this and what exactly is the process of bringing it on the NENT network in Norway that happens every single year now?
2: Oh, it's 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 a it's a big process, and and we are of course a lot of people uh, working with this, um, even in Norway, which is a, a quite mm-hmm. a small market for Formula One, sort of. Uh, but we we also now like feels that the big interest of Netflix Drive to Survive mm. and we have a Norwegian driver Dennis Hauger coming up and so, so, so the interest is, is really really growing in Norway but we are a lot of people. Kunal is one of our key persons uh, for doing the Formula 1 broadcast. Uh, I have um, of course my, my uh, co-commentators uh, with me uh, on the broadcast. We have a lot of technical people, um, so uh, yeah, it's it's not like one or two persons just sitting talking about Formula One. It's it's a big operation, even though I guess our operation is one of the smallest of f- Formula One, probably. Um, Normally, uh, we also go to a few races each year. Hmm. Um, we don't have the budget to travel to all races, but but we, we go to selected races. But now, because of the pandemic, we haven't been on site on a race since 2000, 2019. But let's hope it will be a, a change of that this year.
0: Yeah, and, and how did you guys come to work together, Kunal? Because I suppose there's an interesting story that you had about this as well. Oh,
1: yes, I, I did. And I, I'll be happy to sort of narrate the story. So uh, when uh, I was deciding to take a study break after working for 12 years, I, of course, made a list of things that, you know, few few things that I'm good at. And one of them was, you know, motorsport related journalism and, and anything to do with motorsport, I thought, you know, and uh, when I was researching, you um, I said, OK, there is uh, this gentleman who's, you know, commentating, uh, you know, on why uh, sat as the channel was called back then. And uh, I saw the first race broadcast. Of course, I did not understand anything that was being spoken. So I was seeing the broadcast, but I had the the F1 commentary in, in my ears. And I said, gave me the opportunity to collaborate with Atle and now we we've actually seen some of the shortest uh, most cramped and the longest of seasons together so it's been a while now
0: oh crazy stuff but now akhle I, I have to talk to you about your racing career as well because you very briefly mentioned that you used to go karting and this was of course uh in the whole scandinavian karting network right you've got norway sweden finland and the likes and it's also the same sort of Karting base where we had the likes of Kimi and Mika compete. And it's known to be one of the most competitive in the world. And I just want to know your take on how it actually was at that junior level back in the day. How competitive was it? Because it's, it's clearly working. You actually won a Norwegian national championship only a few years ago. So the base is incredibly strong over there.
2: Uh, yeah, uh, the, the, the level is, is quite high. Um, I, I was not at a very high level in karting, uh, I have to admit. But uh, of course, uh, the level of the, the best guys in karting in Scandinavia is very, very high. Um, it's we, we we haven't been as good in Norway. Um, that's not because of talent. Uh, the, the talent is is. Uh, as good in Norway as in Finland or Sweden or Denmark, but but mm. the other countries have been a bit better to like promote drivers onwards up to the up to for example Formula One. Um, I started with cars quite early mm. uh, when I was 15 and. It was also a very high level there. I, I raced with Matthias Ekström, for example, which wow. you probably know, like a multiple DTM champion and yeah. everything else he has uh, achieved. Um, so yeah, um, the, the level is uh, is really high in the in the Scandinavian in countries. Um, but for me, I, I I chose to like prioritize the broadcasting and the, the journalism career, mm. uh, but. I also had some ambitions as a race car driver because it's not easy when you're like 16 years old and have to to quit because of money. Mm. Um, I guess many people, maybe Kunal also, uh, can can relate to that. Um, So I set myself some goals as a race car driver also. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, of course, knew that to become a Formula One driver is is uh, is uh, not possible. Uh, I was not good enough either, but it was uh, anyway not possible. Um, but I, I set my two my I set myself two goals uh, as a race car, car driver. Uh, one was that I wanted to win a title um, uh-huh. because, as you know, motorsports it, it, it's so expensive. So if you win like um, European Championship title or a Norwegian Championship title, it could be maybe as good to win the Norwegian title, but mm. the, pro, uh, the, the only difference is the budget, but the, the level can be quite as good uh, or as good. Uh, and I also set myself another goal, uh, and that was to to be able to drive on a certain level without having to pay for it. because. Mm. The, the, the big big problem for most race car drivers is to to finance this and to 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 find the budget uh, and that was as difficult for me as everyone else uh, so I had this aim to drive without have to think about money hmm. uh, so to make it short I, I i did one season in in US uh, in the skip barber championship that's just a junior championship um, I raced with Marco Andretti. He he later became an IndyCar driver and some other good drivers who who became pro- professionals uh, and that went quite well. Uh, and then I got an offer to drive for a, a Norwegian team who is driving the German um, uh, NLS Championship. It's a mm-hmm. championship based at the Nürburgring Nordschleife. Yeah. Uh, it's an Audi dealer team. Um, so there I, I basically reached my first goal to, to drive for free. Uh, this was supposed to be a three three year project, but uh, now we have been driven there for 15 years. So oh. I was very, very lucky. That was a, a lucky break. Uh, so I have now been driving uh, the race series at the Nürburgring for yeah more than 15 years and won a lot of races. And the last years we have driven in the TCR class. Um, and also I did, uh, one year in a Norwegian championship with the, with the seven, you know, the, the Lotus, the seven lookalikes, mm. uh, which I won. Um, so then I reached my second goal. Um, so yeah, I, I, I still have a sort of racing career and I am so proud of my racing career because I have been able to be, be doing this for yeah, since '92, basically. Uh, but my main focus all these years has been the broadcasting. So, so that's like what I—that's where I make my living. That—that's my job, and the racing is is sort of a hobby. Uh,
0: and and with a hobby as well, you achieve so much, which I think is just crazy. After winning so many races in the VLN, but let's actually talk about the broadcasting side a little bit more right now. Because you mentioned that's the primary focus. And over the years, Atli, you mentioned that you had the chance to go to the tracks many a times. And, of course, you've been covering it for, I mean, what, 25 odd years now. So any particular stories that come to mind? Because, of course, Abu Dhabi was one where you remotely saw the most dramatic finish. But in terms of being out on track, in terms of just particular moments where you get to feel the sport raw, which one has to rank out and stand out the best for you personally?
2: Yeah, it's 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 one race which stands out. Uh-huh. Uh, but but before I will will um, tell you what race that was, uh-huh. I have to tell you one more thing that that's correct that we we did the Abu Dhabi race uh, from from Oslo, like most other broadcasters do these days because mm. of the pandemic. But the, the day after, the Monday after the Formula One final, I was at the Yas Marina Circuit. Oh. <laughs> so that was quite quite strange because I, I went down there to, to to see the Formula One test and and um, the Formula Two test with Dennis Hauger. Um, but yeah, uh, I have I have been to around 60 races um, on site as a Formula One commentator on site, uh, and it has been many many great experiences but it's one race that really really stands out as the one of the that's one of the best Formula One races ever I have to say and it was one of the most fun experiences as a Formula One commentator but I was lucky enough to be in Montreal uh, for the Canadian Grand Prix in
0: 2011.
2: Oh, my. Uh, which was a classic, classic Formula One race, uh, which was red flagged and it was rain. It, it lasted for hours after hours. It was like the spa this year, sort of. Uh, but, but the races, compared to spa, which didn't start, these races started again. And um, Jensen Button, he was... Uh, it, it was this fight with, with Jensen Button and Sebastian Vettel, and Jensen Button mm. he was at one point uh, at the rear, and he he won the race, and it was a great experience to be in Montreal that weekend and to to really really experience this race.
0: And it's tremendous that that year in general turned out to be the most boring one, but this particular <laughs> race stood out so much. Uh, and, and in terms of other things as well, does it just get a bit too detached doing it virtually via the studio? I mean we, we certainly saw that the excitement just tends to be there but what what element do you feel that is just a little bit extra when you go to the circuit? do you think it just adds more value to the broadcast as such?
2: Yeah yeah uh, of course it's it's adds a lot of value um because we have uh much more information uh we can talk to people um we we, we will know things that you can't read on the internet mm. uh and you also it's it gives you a bit more excitement to be there and that is something that we also can like relate to when we are commentating and, mm. and that the, the viewers also will sort of feel. Uh, so yeah, it's it's important to be at some races every year. And of course, being a small country with a small Formula One market, we, we don't have the budget to go to all races. Mm. Um, but as soon as the pandemic is over, we will start to go to some races again. And if we are lucky, and if Dennis Hauger, the Formula Three champion, will become Norway's first Formula 1 driver, then we will start to travel to most races.
0: Actually, you, you pointed out something so interesting. I was just going to ask you about the Formula 1 appetite in Norway. About, Of course, you mentioned that the talent is certainly quite there, but there's no one been pushing the ceiling until now, that is. Uh, how are things changing with Dennis doing so well in Formula 3? Recently, by the way, folks, he just won the Formula 3 championship. He's graduating up into F2 then the hunger is certainly getting in there, right? And do you see it reflecting in the country's sporting fan base, which is a bit interesting because Norway has so many other sports. F1 is not like number three or even number two for that matter. There's just so many others to choose from.
2: Yeah, that's correct. No- Norway is a really, is, is a great sporting nation. Uh, we yeah. are, uh, to brag a bit, we, we, we are very good compared to the, uh, that we are so few people. Um, but, Traditionally, uh, we are of course best at winter sports, hmm. uh, and it has been a few uh, race car drivers trying to get to Formula One. Uh, we have we had one driver in the Formula 3000, we had one driver in GP2, uh, but none who was really, really up there to to have this chance to drive Formula One. Uh, but then uh, Dennis hauger uh, comes, and and he he is. I, in my opinion, he is the the best driver of his generation. Uh, He is so incredibly good. And you could see that this year uh, where he won the Formula 3 championship. uh, And he he basically controlled the championship from from day one. Uh, And now it's it's not official, but uh, everything points to him doing Formula 2 uh, this year. Uh, and if he could do as well in Formula 2 as he did in for- Formula 3, I think he will be Norway's first Formula 1 driver. And of course, he's a Red Bull junior. Uh, and that's a good place to be because Red Bull has two teams in Formula 1. So, so I think the chances for him are good if he succeeds in Formula 2. And we also see that this gains a lot of interest in Norway. Mm. Um, of course, we have Netflix. Uh, and then we have Dennis Hauger. It's like the what you can call the perfect storm, sort of. Uh, everything mm. clicks and fits together these days. Uh, so the interest ha- has never ever been like it is today in Norway. And um, my uh, my I, I think that if Dennis Hauger reaches Formula One, he will become Norway's most popular athlete. Athlete, I think.
0: Ah. And now I've got to ask you two questions out now. Firstly, about Dennis. What is it? I mean, you've seen so many Formula One drivers. You've seen so many really great racing drivers across the championships that you've competed in. What is something about Dennis that just makes him ready for the top level, according to you? And and the second Uh, one, of course, would be more on the Norwegian Formula One side of things. But I'll get back to that once we're done with this one.
2: Uh, Dennis is, is mentally very, very strong. Hmm. Um, he, he, he very, very seldom does mistakes. Almost never. Hmm. Um, and he has this race craft, which is amazing. You could see in some of the Formula 3 races last year where he he went from 12th to, to win the race without crashing. Um and uh, also in rain, he is a rain master. And uh, that's always a good sign for race car drivers. Uh, he had some overtakes in the rain. One uh, in Hungary, for example, in turn two on the outside. Mm. Um, yeah, he, he stands out. Uh, of course, it's a lot of good race car drivers. And everyone in like Formula 3 and Formula 2, they are very, very good. But a few of them stands out, and Dennis, he really, really stands out.
0: Hmm. And with Dennis and with Netflix, you mentioned you call it a perfect storm. But do you feel the storm just carrying more people around right now? And, and what does it feel like from your position, being essentially the voice of Formula One in Norway?
2: Yeah, um, it's amazing. Um, of course being having having been doing this job for 25 years as a, as a like a, a, a quite a niche sport uh today when i go to the grocery store uh-huh. people people stop stop me and want to talk about formula one uh oh, yeah. <laughs> every day uh i get a, i get a phone call from a from the media one time a day at least to, to, to give quotes about Formula One. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's crazy. I, I had never imagined how this interest was going to explode in the way that it has done. Uh, so it's extremely fun and rewarding to, to, to be able to, to experience this now after so many years. And uh, yeah, that's the perfect storm because of Netflix and dennis auger and And uh, I think it also w- will continue. Um, I, I don't think this will be like just a couple of years with this high interest. Mm. I, I think this will 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 actually stay. And I also have to say another thing it's, that's that's um, I want to thank uh, Liberty Media, actually, uh, because oh. Liberty Media, I think they have done so much good for Formula One. Uh, to generate uh, a bigger interest and and the plans for the future the cars coming this years are very very exciting and uh, the plans for the new uh, e fuel for example mm. and it's a lot of interesting things happening the next years uh, which i think will just keep the interest still growing
0: along with budget caps and sliding scale yep. aerodynamics it's all it's all heading towards Let's say more equal world of Formula yeah. 1, but, but just a word on the whole saga with Dennis and how it could actually become even bigger. Do you think there's room for a race over here in Norway once, of course, Dennis gets to Formula 1? Because it's been one thing that's been confusing me for so long that why do Scandinavian countries don't quite have a lot of Formula 1 races? They used to in the past, uh, but yeah. now maybe this could be the perfect chance with someone like Dennis coming in.
2: Uh to be honest, uh no. I, mm-hmm. I don't I don't think it will ever be a race in Norway and mm. probably never in Scandinavia again. Um we had the Swedish Grand Prix in the 70s. Yep. Uh until 1978 at the Anderstorp. Uh and today we have one uh, FIA Grade 1 track, the the, the brand new Kymi Ring in in Finland which is going to host the MotoGP uh mm. but um the problem uh or i don't think it's a problem <laughs> actually but yeah. the the reason that uh, i think that it will never be a formula 1 race in scandinavia is the costs mm. it costs so much to host the formula 1 race and um in a small country like norway even though we are a, a rich country it's it's not traditions to for using that much money for one single event hmm. um so and and it will not be possible in norway i think to build the fia grade one track so thumbs up to finland who has made it i don't think that will happen in norway um so no i don't think we will have a race here i i remember they talked about the street race in Copenhagen a couple of years ago yeah. but I don't, I don't think that was really re- realistic. Um, I think the the, um, the realistic um, race to host in one of the Scandinavian countries as an international big race these days is Formula E. Uh, we are, of course, uh, we are a country filled with electric cars. Yeah. Uh, we, we are very into the EVs. Uh, so maybe a Formula E race will happen one day, but I don't think a Formula One race will happen. I don't, I don't know what you think, Kunal. Now living in Norway, but do you agree?
0: Uh, it seems like Kunal is slightly frozen. It's not because yeah. of the winter, because Kunal is back here in <laughs> Mumbai. So that's that's not
3: a possibility. But we'll get back to him on that. But So what happened there? I got kicked out. And yes, I did get frozen. Uh, perils of using online platforms for doing that. And maybe I still sound frozen. But the break actually came at a very organic moment, as we would call it. right? So we're going to split Atle's... Uh, episode into two because there was just so much interesting information out there we said let's let let the information not compete with attention so we're going to release the second episode on thursday of this week so say in about three or four days time after you probably hear us and uh, atle is actually kick-starting what uh, we are going to you know launch as a series on the inside line f1 podcast it's going to be called voices of formula one we're going to be speaking to media people we're gonna primarily speak to commentators and broadcasters who over the years have become the voice of Formula One in their markets. English speaking markets, non-English speaking markets. A lot of you know I already work in the Norwegian broadcast market. So Atle and I work very closely together for that. So look out for Voice of F1 as a feature store, you know, feature segment that we're gonna do in this off season. So thank you so much for listening for now. Apologies for freezing out, but it's happened at the right time and see you guys on Thursday.